eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football basketball and recruiting i'm your host zach shaw steve lorenz here with me talking michigan nebraska maybe i i would argue this has probably been the least talked about game since september and 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 that's fair because you know there was iowa michigan state penn state and then a couple road games but wolverines big favorites over the corn huskers so this will be we'll be looking at the keys to the matchup uh, also kind of things we want to see from michigan for the weekend to be deemed a success We'll also do a little bit of our prop bets and our game predictions for Saturday. Steve, starting with Michigan's offense, kind of continuing to see, we talked about it in the Rutgers recap episode, is we keep saying, oh, at some point this passing game, you know, they're going to start to push the pass. I don't think they're going to this week. You know, my my biggest key really is to to get Donovan Edwards going and, and maybe see continued progress from the wide receivers. I feel like that most of them would probably say they didn't have their best game against the Scarlet Knights, whether it was drops or, you know, there, I think there were a couple communication issues or routes that were ran incorrectly. So I think really it's just the non Blake Corum skill players. I think it's a big week for them to, I guess, have those kind of plays that, that Ohio state has to think twice about and, and it builds Michigan's players confidence, but also, you know, keeps Ohio State's defense guessing because it really does feel like the past six weeks. And I know Donovan Edwards has had some productive games and Ronnie Bell's had some productive games, but it really has felt like Blake Corum left, Blake Corum right, especially in the red zone. So I think this is a game where where Michigan can continue to get some of the other skill players because I think that sometimes gets overlooked is how many different players they have who in last season would go off for a hundred yards here, or 80 yards there, make these big plays in key moments. And I, I don't think that has gone away, but I do think the more it happens in games, the more it can happen in future games. So I think that's to me in terms of like the skill, I, I, I don't know if Michigan's going to go pass heavy, run heavy. I, Nebraska, it seems like they've done a little bit better job stopping the run in the last five games. Their season long numbers are pretty brutal. But since Mickey Joseph took over, it seems like they've progressed. So is this a game where they maybe challenge those receivers? Hey, go up there and make a play. Especially, I think I think Nebraska has a couple players out in in the back seven. So 
Don't know which direction they'll go in that regard, but this I think this is a huge opportunity for the skill players. Steve, what's what's a big key or something you want to see for Michigan's offense this week? Yeah, I think along the lines of what you said, I think like the right way to say it without stop making it sound too casual, but like maybe play a little fast and loose. Uh, you know, I mean, this is a game Michigan should win regardless of of how they succeed offensively, in my opinion. Nebraska's down a lot of guys on both sides of the football. Uh, you know, these two teams are just in different uh, stratospheres right now. But, yeah, I think Michigan, yeah, we have kind of been waiting on it. Uh, but then, you know, we go in, you go into halftime last, last Saturday, they're down 17 to 14, right? I mean, that, that kind of changes. <laughs> you still have to win. Uh, I don't anticipate that kind of situation this week. So I do think what we maybe looked to see last week is what we will see more of this week, you know, and, and talk about skill players. I think one guy I'd, I'd like to see him continue to get involved. And I've talked about him a lot this year, but he's playing more is Colson Loveland at tight end. You know, I think Luke Schoonmaker was a little banged up throughout the game last Saturday. And he, so he's gotten plenty of snaps. I still think Michigan believes he can be an asset in the passing game in some capacity. So interested to see if they can get him involved at that tight end spot. But otherwise, yeah, it's kind of the same same guys that we've been kind of waiting for, you know, with Andrew Anthony and even Cornelius Johnson at this point, along with Ronnie Bell. So, uh, yeah, keep Corum healthy. Keep him in the Heisman race. After that, I say play a little fast and loose and and and, and try to open things up a little bit more. Yeah, this um, uh, more so than the next two games, because the next two games are against ranked opponents and presumably whoever Michigan plays after that, be it a New Year's Six Bowl, Playoff Bowl, Big Ten Championship game will also be ranked. I mean, this is this is probably Michigan's last opportunity to truly put a freshman in a key spot or or get the freshman a freshman a ball or or a guy who hasn't gotten a lot of experience an opportunity. Steve this doesn't have to be a super long answer because I know we have our, our own separate podcast for recruiting. Wherever you get your podcast, you can probably find a recruiting podcast pretty easily. But is it more valuable for Michigan in the eyes of recruiting as they try to close out this this 2023 class? Is it more valuable to continue to push the Blake Corum Heisman candidacy or get a guy like Darius Clemens? the ball or get a guy like Amari and Walker. I know they, they targeted Morris Walker and, and Clemens a little bit more last week. Uh, just, just curious from your recruiting perspective, better to get the entire team involved in a game like this or better to maybe keep pushing that Blake Corum Heisman opportunity to get maybe a, I don't know if there's, I don't know if there is a Heisman bump, but, but hypothetically uh, if he continued to progress in that, way that, that I'm sure every recruit in the country would love to have the usage that Blake Corum has. See, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, can't, Michigan should be able to do both. Right. And I think that's one of the things I, you know, recruiting is a whole different animal right now. Uh, I've been kind of chipping away at something on, on how they can kind of a path to finishing in a, de- in a decent spot, which is so hard to imagine given that they're, uh, 19 and two in their last 21 games and are undefeated right now. Uh, that maybe more than any program in the country, the recruiting is not correlating with the product on the field. You know, they should have a top 15 
at least type class at this point. And uh, they don't, you know, all the success they've had up front on the offensive line and they're, and they're striking out on target after target up front, you know, it's just very, I don't want to say bizarre, but just, you know, got to be disappointing, right? If you're Michigan. So I, I think you got to open it up a little bit more. I, I you know, I just, I, I can't imagine a running back prospect right now not wanting to play in that offense, right? I mean, there's not much more Michigan really c- could do over, even over, not even this season, just going back to last season in that 21 game stretch where it doesn't look appealing, you know, to be a, a good running back getting the football in that, in that system. And, and, you know, I think a lot of times it's almost it can become the opposite where teams throw the ball so much, it can become a little difficult to convince like top running backs to come. Some schools don't have a problem getting anybody, but uh, you know, so I, I would say just go ahead and open it up a little bit more. I think it's attractive to quarterback recruits, you know, even more than it might be for the, receiver types you know it'll be really fascinating let's just feel let's theorize let's say Michigan passes the ball a little bit more this year but doesn't maybe put have a game or a game or two where they put up big passing numbers I'll be fascinated to see what or if anything it does to the draft stock of like a Roman Wilson or a Ronnie Bell you know because I think those guys are still going to test really well and I think they're really good football players who could become productive pros but the statistical output hasn't really been there compared to some other guys so it'll be a really interesting almost litmus test to see you know what kind of impact is actually producing numbers have on on a, on draft stock because if it, let's say it doesn't you know Michigan still has a case with top receiver type recruits and stuff to say listen like we we will throw the ball but you're going to leave here a more well-rounded receiver in our, in our weight program will make you an elite athlete ready to play in the pros. So I don't know. Yeah. But for this week, next week, I mean, we, we've been saying it for a while and I don't think it's any secret that recruiting is part of the idea behind it, you know, because Michigan, yeah. I mean, until they get to Columbus, these next, especially these next two weeks, like they are going to be able to run the ball successfully unless you're, you know, unless they're putting eight in the box or something like that, nine in the box. So, you know, a little more balance, you know, f- to me, yeah, would be squarely aimed at at potential recruits, uh, particularly, like I said, at, at quarterback and, and then obviously wide receiver. And and getting back to Nebraska, I mean, one thing that, that will be interesting is I, I think they're not a particularly strong pass defense, but they do produce – pass breakups they do produce interceptions and and their sack efficiency is is fairly high some teams it feels like they get 20 pressures in a game but they only get one or two sacks you know nebraska i think they only have 15 sacks in the season but but it's been when they get pressure they they have a decent rate at hitting home so you know there's a little bit more that can go awry in this game in ter- if they try to throw the ball but at the same time one you got to throw the ball just so Blake Corum is going into that Ohio State game as fresh as he possibly can go. You know, Mike Hart said it this week, probably 20 carries for Blake Corum, 15 carries for Donovan Edwards is what they're targeting. And so, yeah, I mean, but you can do that and still have a lot of opportunity to throw the ball downfield, maybe take advantage 
of Nebraska's cornerbacks who I, I don't I'm not particularly impressed by. So that would probably be another key is is actually continue that deep ball passing. I know we say it every week, but so does Michigan's so do Michigan's coaches and players. You know, they know that that's kind of the if they can put something exceptional on film in the deep ball passing game, opponents are really going to have to pick their poison a little bit. Right now, there's not quite as many poisons to pick as there as there could be. So I think that's another key. Let's jump into these over-unders, kind of talking about the the decision-making that, that we've, we've discussed. You know, how do they use Coram? How do they use Edward, Edwards? Let's talk about them both maybe in, in, a, in a joint prop bet. There's two here that come from our good friend Neil. We always post all 10 of them over on our message board, either the day before games or the day of games. I'm on a heater right now. I've gotten 17 out of the out of 20 right in the last two weeks. So I've taken a pretty big lead over Steve. I'm 48 out of 79. So what's that? 48 and 31. Steve is 37 and 42. So I've, I'm up by 11. But Steve, Donovan Edwards, 129.5 yards from scrimmage. Blake Corum has 1.5 touchdowns rushing. I almost feel like this could be both taking the over because one, I think, I think the touchdowns are going to be something that Michigan tries to emphasize because if Corum can take a carry from three yards out and score, that continues to help his Heisman candidacy. I mean, if he enters or the ends the regular season, let's say with 25 touchdowns, I mean, that, that might be hard for, for voters to turn down, especially if Michigan continues to win the, the way that they have. But at the same time, I think the, the bulk of the carries this week, if I were Michigan, goes to Edwards. Because one, I think he's really talented, and he continues to look better and better since he's come back from that injury. Um, so he's he's earned the carries. But two, he's probably fresher than Corum at this point, taking, what, 100 fewer carries so far this season. And also, I think this is an opportunity for him to build that confidence, build that comfort level running the ball, and then you can maybe go into the Illinois or the Ohio State game really feeling like either player can carry the ball and you'll you'll feel very confident in what you can do if you're Michigan. So I'm actually taking the over on both. Steve, I, I believe you are too. Is that is that correct? Yeah, which is, yeah, I think, like we said, I think one of Michigan's objectives is to keep, yeah, keep Corum afloat. Not even afloat, like maybe even – I know it'd be Nebraska, but like, yeah, even another really big game could propel him into clear favorite territory at this point with the numbers he's been putting up. So yeah, Michigan, I think we'll do try to find a balance of, of, of using quorum and getting him some statistics, but also not over utilizing him in, in, you know, that's one of the values of having a guy like Edwards, who, by the way, I thought on Saturday looked better as a running back than he has in his entire career, a uh, couple of carries where it looked like he's almost turned a corner like as a, a little bit. As a ball carrier? Yeah, just yeah, looked a lot better. Uh, no other way to put it. You know, so I think Michigan may ride him a little bit more. Um, yeah, so I'm going with the over on both. All right, last one from the offense. Let's let's talk about the passing game and, and where things will go. I, the the prop that we were given is ten point five receptions from wide receivers, so not counting running backs or tight ends. I think I'm gonna take the under. And and Steve, I don't. I guess there's no big concerns for a team that's nine and zero. But what is your concern level or curiosity even 
about Michigan's wide receivers performance last week felt like an opportunity for them to really take a step forward. You saw JJ McCarthy was attempting more passes downfield. He was attempting more passes in the red zone and some were caught. Can't, can't say that there were no big plays. There were three passes that were caught on, on the deep ball. And then in the red zone, you know, Cornelius Johnson got that touchdown, but, but felt like the efficiency to the receivers was a little low for this point in the season, for how experienced Michigan's receivers are. Where does that all sit with you? And then also the prop bet, 10.5 receptions from the wide receivers alone. I think I think the fact that they are a veteran and experienced group sort of lessens it for me a little bit. All those guys have had at least one pretty solid game. Again, not to the level, I think you said about last year, where you know seemed like a different guy was putting up big numbers every week. But... I think Michigan's thrown the ball even less than they did last year. So not as much of an opportunity for some of these guys, but yeah, I, I kind of maybe, I don't know, chalk it up to just a bad, just, just a bad game. Uh, I, I'm not too concerned about it, but you know, I do think it puts a little more pressure on them to try to, to continue it, you know, because again, this is, you know, I don't know. I mean, do we need to see this? Do we need to see it? to believe that they can do it against Ohio state. Right. I think that's kind of where I'm at, you know, it's kind of questioning myself. Like, is it something that we have to see for sure? Or, or can they, you know, just kind of keep doing what they've been doing and then just utilize whatever different game plan they'll have against Ohio state. So, uh, but overall, not, not too concerned about something like that. And I also think I took the, well, I took out the over on all of the offensive ones. So yeah, I went over. Okay. I'm taking the under on 10.5. I'm not concerned about Ronnie Bell. You know, I know I know last week wasn't his best game. I think that's to your point, you know, he's he's shown over the years that he's not he's a pretty darn good receiver. So, one so-so game or B or B minus level game is is not going to change that and I I I do think he could very easily bounce back this week. I Roman Wilson was out. I think I would I would think we would all say he's been the number two receiver for Michigan this season I think everyone else though there's at least a little bit of a concern and you mentioned Schoonmaker maybe banged up a little bit in that game but felt like J.J. McCarthy was putting a few throws on the money you know I think that there's always that talk of like oh is he throwing it too hard I don't know it didn't didn't feel like it's to me necessarily I think you could put a little more touch, a little more air on those deep balls, but but in the red zone, there were there were some catches you got to come down with, and I I think the numbers are continuing to show Michigan does not have an effective receiving game on contested catches. That's still an area where they have to grow because I would assume Illinois and Ohio State they're going to contest more of these passes. There's not going to be guys who are who are wide open downfield. So I think the concern level, maybe not to the point where I would call it a concern, but it is something that I'm keeping an eye on this week. I think if Michigan wants a successful weekend, Steve, you can agree or disagree with this. I think I think a, a successful weekend, Michigan needs its wide receivers to get more than 10.5 receptions. I can agree with that. I think if it's un, if it's 10 or less, I think the concern compounds and it becomes something that you're really watching against Illinois. All right, we're going to hit a quick break on the other side. We'll flip to the other side of the ball, talk about Michigan's defense against the Cornhuskers, and make our final predictions for the game. This is the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast.
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Welcome back. Thanks for waiting. So, Steve, Nebraska's offense, it, it, it was already struggling a little bit, kind of limping into this game. But now Casey Thompson is, is officially out for the game. He's been ruled out with an arm injury. And their backup quarterbacks have struggled mightily throwing the ball. And, and I will say the numbers from last week, they were bad for just about every quarterback in the Big Ten. Um, aside from you know Michigan and Rutgers, just because there was so much wind, I suppose you know I know I know people have been having fun making fun of Ohio State for, it, but every Penn State struggled to throw the ball, Indiana, Maryland. I mean, there are a lot of teams that that are used to throwing the ball better than than they were last week, but still, it has not been pretty. And Nebraska's running game, multiple of their backup running backs are out so this really feels like a big Anthony Grant show you know pretty pretty solid running back I would I would say he's he's of the reliable kinds you know where he's not going to dance around in the backfield or, or fumble like crazy but maybe isn't going to explode for a 50-yard run either so Steve knowing that they're going to be a little shorthanded the Cornhuskers what is your biggest key or something you really want to see from Michigan's defense in this game Got to be a game pressure, right? I mean, it's hard to see Nebraska having a ton of success running the ball because because nobody's had any success running the ball. And when you have a back when when Thompson's not playing, your backups in, <clears throat> they're going to probably have to throw the ball. So, you know, be nice to see Michigan rack up some sacks and, and maybe force a couple turnovers off of some bad throws uh, or just tip balls, whatever. Uh, you know. Kind of like last week, really almost the way last week played out. You know, Wimsett is very raw for Rutgers. You know, I think there's some tools there, but a guy that's raw, I mean, that's a game where Michigan should have forced a couple turnovers and they were able to in the second half. I mean, I think we could foresee something somewhat similar taking place on Saturday, and I think that's what you want to see from Michigan. Yeah, this is probably the worst pass-protecting offensive line Michigan's faced in a while. Um reminiscent of Iowa and Indiana where Michigan's going to be able to get pressure on more or less half of half of Nebraska's pass attempts. Now it, it will be interesting because I think, I think Purdy and Logan Smothers, both of their, their backup quarterbacks, they can move. I mean, they're not, they're not statues, right? They, they're a little bit mobile, uh, maybe, maybe similar to, to Wimsett last week. You know, they're, they're guys that can extend plays and even, even generate, plays in the run game so it will be interesting to see how Michigan 
affairs in the pressure front because I, I don't think it will compare to what Michigan faces against Ohio State or even Illinois. I think both those teams have better pass protections than Nebraska does. But at the same time, I think I think you want to see Mike Morris continue to build that confidence, build that repertoire. You want to see growth from Yabioki. If he plays Jalen Harrell from Braden McGregor, I think that's a guy you mentioned him last week. I think he's continuing to see uh, his pass rushing role increase. Derek Moore, I think, is another guy, especially in this game. Feels like if he can get a couple big plays, that can springboard him to a final to the final two weeks of the regular season. So I think that's a pretty big key. I think another key is it's it sounds weird because Thompson's out. Casey Thompson, he was he was a great deep ball passer. But Nebraska does have a really good receiver in Trey Palmer, formerly at LSU, former top, I think he was 112 in the 20, 2019 class. So I think that, you know, he's someone, I want to see how Michigan contains him because he's maybe the most comparable player Michigan will see this month to what they'll see against Ohio State. You know, not a six foot, not a Keon Coleman, not, you know, six four. Not a not a big bodied receiver, six foot one seventy five, I believe. So it's not like he's getting contested catches, and I wouldn't even say he's like a juke you out of your shoes type of receiver either, in terms of forcing missed tackles or getting yards after the catch. But he does get open. He does know how to get open downfield. Knows how to create separation, starting at the line of scrimmage and and progressing downfield. So this will be an interesting test. I, I would assume it's a Mike Sainer still assignment given where he lines up in the slot but but DJ Turner Will Johnson are two other players that I think couldn't really add to their to their pretty successful season so far I, I you know Michigan's pass coverage has been pretty good all year but if they can show that against Trey Palmer I think that will carry a little bit more weight than anyone Rutgers had last week or or any receiver Illinois We'll bring out next week. So, so opportunity to showcase coverage against a good, fast receiver. Steve, anything else you want to see from Michigan's defense? You mentioned that they're stopping just about everyone in the run game. Any other keys you want to see or anything you want to see from Michigan's defense? Kind of like the offense, there are younger players who can rotate in. Maybe you can, can get healthy at a couple key spots presumably a game that Michigan will win comfortably. I think you and I are both predicting that. More Will Johnson, right? I think the more reps he sees right now, the better. Because I think he's starting to kind of get comfortable, get it figured out. Probably the same for Jimmy Rolder. Might as well. At linebacker, right? I think the more depth they have. I mean, Harbaugh has still not announced if Nikai Hill Green's out for the year. I, I don't know what. He isn't he always his policies to always let make it public when a guy's out for the year. He's uh, he's broken that policy. He's pretty clearly broken that policy this year. I was wondering because yeah, I mean it's it's clear as it seems pretty clear at this point he's not going to play. Yeah, he's which I look real quick. I don't think any reporters need to know like the nature of the injury. I do think because how much fans ask because you know of the excitement about the team. I I do think it's fair to want Jim Harbaugh to at least say if a guy will be out for, I mean, cause like this was supposed to be a soft tissue injury. Right. And now it's been 10 weeks. Yep. There's yeah. no schematic advantage 
gained. Nebraska's I, I out here telling you who's in and out. Like, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I agree. I agree, and I agree as far as like the nature of it. Not. Necessary. I don't need to know what the injury is. Right. No. Just if the guy is is out for the year, you know, no offense. I mean, Nikai Hill Green, I think value would have been a really valuable player for the defense this season if healthy. But it's not as if Ohio State is, you know, in the film room saying, okay, well, what are we going to do? if Nikai Hill green is playing, you know, uh, I, I guess maybe they are, I don't know. I just, I don't anticipate that's the case, but, um, either way, I, I just, uh, going back though, Jimmy Rolder, like seeing the young guys at linebacker Rolder, kind of the, the guy that's a little bit further ahead there. And then also one other thing got one guy's name. We haven't really heard a lot of the last couple of weeks is, uh, Yabioki, you know, be kind of good. I think to see him, maybe have a, a a big game or a good game in the rush, you know, and, and maybe make a couple plays there. So uh, I guess those would be the few sort of things I'm looking at. I mean, because the defense now is established enough where I think we know what we're going to get from Jenkins and Smith and Morris, Turner, Moore, Green, you know, so – that's yeah, it's really a lot of those other guys, particularly some young ones, but but also like I said, I think Oki is still a guy that could end up having a huge impact over the last few weeks of the season. Uh, he just has a, some really nice, pure rush moves and, and just pure rush ability that that can that can be an asset for Michigan. Yeah, and I think when you think about Ohio State, you're trying to think like, okay, you want your most talented players to play like your most talented players. You saw that with Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo last season. But Oki, last three games, does not have a quarterback pressure. And that's with 59, by my count, 59 pass rushing snaps does not have a pressure. So, you know, there were three weeks there where he had 11 quarterback pressures in 54 snaps, pass rushing snaps. Now he's gone 59 without one. So that's actually... That's a good one. That's that's probably someone, you know, if you're thinking about, okay, if, if blank happens, Michigan has to feel good about itself coming out of this weekend. I think Oki, Harrell, if he plays, McGregor and Moore are players, especially just with how susceptible Nebraska's pass rush is. That's somewhat important, modest importance for Michigan to get that sorted out. All right, let's do some prop bets. Nebraska averages 7.0 yards per passing attempt. I, I'm going to give Neil benefit of the doubt here that I think maybe he thought Thompson could return. It, it wasn't ruled out until Thursday morning, but I'm taking the under on this one. Just does not feel like Purdy or Smothers are very accurate passers. They're not, they're not significant downfield passers, so there won't be like the one 40-yard bomb that, that ends up throwing the yards per attempt out of whack. This feels like a pretty easy under to me. Steve, how about you? Yeah, hard not to agree. He, I th- Yeah, even with Thompson, I don't know if I'd take the over on that one, right? Maybe, but it'd be a, that'd be a tough tough call. Without him, it's uh, the easiest one of the 10 this week, in my opinion. All right, next one. Anthony Grant averages 4.1 yards per carry. I'm actually like fairly impressed with Grant. I do think he's going to finish the season as a 1,000-yard running back. Um, he's taken on uh, a pretty significant portion of the carries with with some of the injuries Nebraska's had. 4.1 yards per carry, that, that feels a little high. 
I, I think he'll be stopped at the line a lot. If he were able to break one for 40 plus yards, I think he would get there, but, but that's really not been his game this season. I think he only has in 175 carries. He has four carries that have gone for 20 yards or more. So um, credit to him for persevering and not, you know, giving up on plays. I don't think he gets dropped for a loss a ton, but at the same time, not someone who I think is going to slip by Michigan's defense enough to to average 4.1 yards per carry. Steve, how about you? I mean, it's really hard to, to bet against Michigan's run defense at this point. That's what I'm leaning on with the under. Uh, yeah, just hard to imagine. Like I said, and we're finally seeing it. We're, we are seeing Chris Jenkins get a little love. I think he was like the guy on the main guy on the graphic, uh, Michigan number one rushing defense. You know, I think he's finally getting some recognition there. He's been awesome this year. So, uh, yeah, just, you know, again, another thing, another one almost that if Thompson was playing, I don't know, maybe a little bit different, but, you know, Grant is going to be by far the best player Nebraska throws out there. Uh, at least, well, no, because isn't, what was, what's his name? The, the, the Are they the Palmer? ones that Trey Palmer? Yeah. 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 He's really good. Um but Grant is the main focus because Palmer's not going to have a quarterback that can probably get it to him consistently. So, um, no. yeah, so I'm going to have to go with the under just, just for that simple reason. All right, last one. Nebraska gets 2.5 trips to the red zone. Steve, this kind of feels like the Rutgers preview where Nebraska is just so beat up offensively and, and they really haven't produced against worse defenses. I mean, they've gotten out to nice starts, so maybe this. I would, I would have been curious, like what we think the score is going to be at halftime, because that, I think, this could be another game where Michigan really just just puts the the foot on the gas in the third and the fourth quarter. But two point five trips to the red zone. Think I'm going to take the under. That's a really low over under. I mean, you're talking one interception and one, you know, mishandled punt or something like that, and suddenly and suddenly Nebraska gets two without even having to have a good offense. I think I'm going to take the under. Backup quarterback, you know, Palmer's great. Grant is solid. But I, I the offensive line is just so bad. I I don't know how Nebraska is going to be able to sustain a drive. You know, when you think about you know, having four or five key first down plays to get to the red zone, that feels ambitious to think that they'll do that three times. So I'm taking the under. How about you? Yeah, I'm taking the under, and you pretty much explained it. I mean, last week, notwithstanding, Michigan's special teams, you know, continues to be elite. So not only are you talking about being down some key players for Nebraska, but you're you're talking probably losing field position consistently, right? Having to drive, you know, sustain a long drive just to get into the red zone to begin with. So yeah, hard for me to imagine Nebraska, you know, really doing a ton, honestly. So I'm going to go with the under as well. All right. Finally, your final thoughts on this game and your score prediction for Saturday. Uh, I'll say 45 to 10. I think Michigan does what they need to do. I thought it was interesting, you know, for Jim Harbaugh to mention they knew the Ohio State game was 18 days away. I don't know if they've ever acknowledged that fact this far ahead of the game, but I I think I think the motivation there is to 
legitimately, you can view these games as tune-ups for that game, but also be taking these games completely seriously, you know, in that vein, if that makes sense, if what I'm saying makes sense. I expect to Michigan to play pretty crisp football tomorrow. Uh, and, and so, you know, Nebraska, yeah, a season to forget for them, obviously. Uh, but, but yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Michigan 45 to 10 and, uh, in an easy, I don't think this one is, you know, they'll probably do something in the third quarter like they have, but I, I think this one's, Oh, I think this one, they're comfortably ahead by halftime. Okay. I I've got a similar score. I'm thinking 41 to 10. I think. I kind of think it'll look a lot like Rutgers last week. I, I don't now the difference is Michigan's playing at home, and I don't think that they're gonna have that punt block touchdown deal. No one ever predicts that's gonna happen, but at the same time, uh it really hasn't happened very much for Michigan over the last seven, eight years. So and being at home, I think I think they'll be able to go into halftime with the lead. I, I'm kind of thinking in the twenty to ten at halftime. We've got forty one to 10 overall one thing that will be interesting is this is the first true cold weather game Michigan has played this season I'm not trying to say that that's going to be a a concern or a problem necessarily but the high I think is is 40 degrees I think every other game they've played this season unless I'm misremembering has been at least 50 55 so this might actually be a little bit of a a mental preview for that Michigan Ohio State game, where you assume the weather is going to be kind of chilly on November 26th, but the, it was a pretty warm, warm enough, I guess, October and November so far that, that that really hasn't been an element Michigan has had to battle. Instinct would suggest to make the score lower scoring, but I think Michigan's just going to win in the trenches so convincingly that I mean, kind of like last week, Isaiah Gash is scoring a touchdown by the end of the game. So by the time things get to the third and fourth quarter. I think Nebraska will be ready to go home, and I think Michigan will be able to empty its bench a little bit. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Lots of preview content over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. Be sure to check it out before Saturday's game. And, of course, we'll have tons of coverage on game day, after the game, Sunday, and in the days that follow. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. We'll see you after the game. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.